Hi, this is Elliot, host of Inspired Edinburgh. Please come and check out our Facebook page for all of the latest updates. If I could ask a small favour, please could you subscribe and review our show on iTunes. By doing this, you'll be helping us reach a wider audience and have a greater impact by challenging perceptions and encouraging people to live a more conscious life. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Inspired Edinburgh. Powerful conversations helping you reconnect with your purpose. I'm Elliot Reeves and my guest today is Ekaterina Matveva. Kate is the founder of Amolingua, a company whose mission is to create a more connected, multilingual world. You're a linguist, a polyglot, a memory sportsman, a speaker, a teacher of languages and cultures, and you were awarded UK Businesswoman 2015 by The Grad Factor. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Kate, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Elliot. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, and that's amazing. It's a great environment, and well done on pronouncing my name <laughs> and Amolingua. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I do try. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> Quite a challenge. <laughs> okay, so it would be great, um, I suppose, if we could start by talking a bit about um, you know, your background, where you grew up, what you were like growing up mm -hmm. and, and yeah, the, the whole the whole story. The whole story, <laughs> <laughs> we'll go on and on and on. <laughs> All right, um, so I was born in Moscow. However, later on I discovered that uh, my parents who were born in Moscow actually lived half of their like teenage life uh, in Mongolia okay. <laughs> because uh, their parents were on one side were like in government and the other side engineering. And so the side of the government, it was coming like from Poland and the, pa the part of engineering is coming like from Greek, uh, like Greek roots. And it's all like a mix. Mm. And I got very fascinated about it. Like uh, when I was a kid, I was always like asking my grandparents, can you tell me more about, yeah, my family there, there, because we're all kids. Yeah, very curious about it. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, they were telling me all these amazing stories from their childhood, childhood of their grandparents. And uh, then it happened so that we're traveling more and more, um, in like on holidays, maybe with grandparents or parents or with study groups. And I would just be exposed to more different, let's say cultures and societies. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, as a kid, I was kind of put into army, what I'm saying that I was in a German gymnasium. Uh, then I was uh, put into synchronized swimming. And when I was in German gymnasium, that was the first experience of interaction with language teachers. And I was like four. So instead of <laughs> kindergarten, I was put in gymnasium because I hated kindergartens. And uh, it was so horrible for me <laughs> uh, because uh, the lady uh, was trying to get me memorize some phrases, right, mm -hmm. in order to say, express myself. And she was like, "Das is God. <laughs> that's what I remember. And I remember this like kind of weak style, you know, like white hair, and maybe mm -hmm. she was in her 50s. Uh, so yeah, this was horrible. And she was very, very similar in her look to my grandmother from Polish side. And I even got afraid of my grandmother because because of the oh, similarities. Really? I mean, I was, yes. yeah, four, yeah. And at the same time, uh, I was in art school as well, like drawing, painting, you know, all this clay, and then swimming kicked in. And swimming kicked in because uh, I had lots of energy <laughs> and I still have, probably I had <laughs> even more. <laughs> it was clumsy. That's kind of, you know, you're running around like, you know, with a cat and it, all the corners. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, <laughs> eventually um, my mom said, OK, well, let's go for swimming and let's go for synchronized swimming. 
and it turned out well first pretty well um, because I got into kind of as well like top of top because it was so competitive and I believe that my competitiveness comes from there because okay. Russian synchronized swimming is like one of the I mean it's top yeah. And, you know, when you're working, you started working with literally future Olympic, you know, people like who are going there like champions, mm -hmm. you must, you know, smash it. And uh, I was training with people who were like four or five years older than I was mm -hmm. just to you know, get in there. Mm -hmm. And eventually at some point um, I kind of, you know, fell and I hurt my knee. And it was just a few days before one of the like national competitions mm. and definitely like I couldn't perform and consequently I let down my coach and she turned kind of you know against me and there were like lots of you know things when you're in teenage time early teenage time you just don't know how to handle it mm -hmm. and it it, it, it went worse and worse because then we had some kind of like camps yeah like sportive camps when you go as well away and there was just horrible because I couldn't train uh, the coach thought that I was simulating and uh, the team kind of also was like divided into two camps and there after I think 10 days there like in a, the worst nightmare of my life let's say I just called my mom it was like the time when you just get your like first mobile phones like I don't know 200 or uh, 2000 something I don't remember mm -hmm. And um, yeah, just like t take me, take me back. And after that, uh, I couldn't get into swimming like water maybe for two or three years. And um, I got into more like IT stuff, a bit of languages, like getting back to school. Uh, but then still there was a situation that I was kind of, I could go back to sport and they were saying the same time. It was again, like it was a tip point. Maybe because that's why I felt kind of, uh, they were like, either you stay in normal school, right? And you are, you don't have the future in the sport or you go to sportive school and you give everything to it. And then you go to Olympics because you're already in nationals. Jeez. And that was the, the point. And um, I think thanks to this actually failure, I didn't opt for that mm -hmm. because otherwise it would be, yeah, maybe I would be in Olympics, maybe I would be somewhere there, but I would just close doors to absolutely everything in my life because, you know, <clears throat> you're just there and then you become, I don't know what, the coach. You know, it wasn't enough, let's say. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, then it got turned, you know, back to all this like school traveling and normal life. However, um, what happened then was quite unexpected. I got some kind of disease or stimulitis or something like that. It's like with like joint. And uh, it was just a few days before going abroad. And uh, I was put to hospital and urgently operated because there was this pus, yeah, pus. Mm. And then I wasn't bad and I couldn't walk literally for half a year. Oof. So I was out of school, I was out of everywhere and uh, I couldn't run like for a year. And like half a year, half a year, I was at school. Teachers would come to me. They would uh, take a taxi. Like parents would take a taxi to bring me to my first tutor, tutor normal tutor of English. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I had lots of let's say thoughts to go through to kind of reconsider because it was just before the final year, final years of school. I know that it, it made a huge impact on me as well. And uh, after that, I was like, okay. Now I'm getting back to normal life. I want like to take everything, you know, out of it. And then I started acting 
like uh, this acting like studio. So it was English, IT, acting, and even like more. And it was on top of, let's say, all this demanding curricul curriculum of schools. Mm -hmm. And yeah, acting was amazing because <clears throat> I, on one side, so I was writing poems, like, and I'm still writing. So I was writing and then I was acting. And what I started doing, like lit literature, let's say, you know, kind of classes, uh, instead of just reciting poems, I would act them. And <laughs> my teacher would absolutely hate me for this because she would say, what the hell are you doing here? What kind of show are you doing here? And like my friends, even like from other, you know, like classes, you know, forms would actually come to sneak <laughs> to watch me acting on that. This is tremendous, it was amazing. You know, like, uh, let's say, you know, this like Russian classics and you're just acting it out and just yeah. rushing out, so, you know, through the door, like, yeah, get me the carriage, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was great. And uh, then it was coming to the point of this like serious years, like serious choice. And this was quite tricky because uh, definitely I wanted something uh, um, related maybe to the stage, to creativity. Mm -hmm. um, however, parents uh, being very conservative and let's say in education terms, right, education terms uh, told me no way. So what? Being a poet, like when I was like five or six, I, said, I want to be a poet. No, uh, it's just a hobby. And then like years later, when I'm like getting some rewards for this, they are like, ah, is it possible? You know, so it's kind of this like self-doubt. Also, I understand that they were brought up in this, you know, uh, era of like still Soviet period. And then that Soviet period collapsed and mm. uh, they actually experienced a lot and they managed to give me as much as possible as well. It's just like tremendous. But, you know, you start seeing this pattern. Mm -hmm. And they were saying, no, you're going for some year class education. So here, like top three universities. Uh, so you're getting there. Because yeah, by that time, as I wasn't yeah, in sport anymore, so it meant you yeah. must be here in education. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> and then I was I was jumping in my education, uh, like jumping classes, because when I was at sports, so I managed to get into some experimental program instead of four years for three years, and then the same was uh, like at secondary school, high school, so again jumping, and then they were saying, um, well maybe instead of getting to university at sixteen, which no, is just normally like at eighteen, mm -hmm. instead of mm -hmm. sixteen, why not to get into at fifteen? No way. And I said, <laughs> no. Yeah, you know what? I, I want to stay with my friends for one more year at, at, at school. And I stayed and um, then, yeah, this choice came. Um, and then it was this MSLU, uh, Moscow State Linguistic University. And uh, honestly, I wasn't sure how I would go there, why I would go there. It was just kind of, you know, this direction. And uh, during the preparation time, it was really challenging because all the tutors who were there, um, were kind of scary and intimidating, especially one of them in English. And after lessons with her, I would come like crying. I would be just like this, just yeah, let me give up, not go there at all or mm -hmm. choose somebody else. Um, but for some reason, I, I would just keep going. I don't know why. I mean, like I was just doing it and I think it was as well like personal challenge to overcome it, yeah. to find the way how to tackle this person. And uh, eventually I broke through, I managed. Later on, I found out that just a few months before we met with her, her husband unfortunately died, yeah. passed away. So she was kind of bringing it all, all this pain on us, let's mm -hmm. say students, mm -hmm. but we didn't know, right? 
So it was just very, you know, uh, like a tangled situation. But eventually, yeah, I got into the uni uh, in order to discover that actually there was a theater studio. And I was like, yeah, so it's like, you know, one of the things, yeah, kind of compromising, right? Um, but another challenge was that um, the woman, the lady who was a director of the theater, the theater in English, she was our teacher of phonetics. And I really wanted to impress her, right? Because I was like, yes, I'm going to be the best of the best as usual. Yeah, it's like, you know, this, this type of bar. And she would invite me. And here my emotions kicked in. I was always so anxious at her lessons, mm -hmm. like this type of anxiety that actually, you know, brings you pain, that I either would overdo things or I would be doing completely, you know, some random different, you know, sounds. And she'd be like looking at me like, what's wrong with you? Like you are, you know, normal girl. But I just couldn't, you know, couldn't tell her what I wanted just because, you know, I felt kind of intimidated, ashamed. Uh, so eventually, at some point, she noticed that uh, if I were kind of, I know, doing something, I was doing, uh, I don't know, maybe just talking to somebody and she would catch me and ask me something, I would pronounce it in the correct way. She was like, wow, actually you can do stuff. So imagine that me, A, 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 A plus, yeah, phonetics C. <laughs> so it, for me, it was like, it was just like there, somewhere there. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you have this, and then you have other t like teachers and tutors who are, well, literally, you know, brought up on the Soviet system of grammar and cramming, and they give you texts and saying, okay, here are like two pages about the weather. <laughs> Cram! Yeah. And you're like, what? Yeah, yeah, cram. And you start cramming and then, you know, you're retelling. And I, at that time, I was, I, I, I'd been already, you know, to UK. I was like everywhere and I felt like speaking quite all right. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I started forgetting the language just because we were cramming. And if we made a mistake or the same mistake, we would just, you know, swap some sentences or phrases mm -hmm. without, you know, any kind of like state commitment. They would be like, no, start again. And you would just come over and over again with the same text, telling the same thing. It was horrible. But again, th this type of, you know, challenges and this type of failures were kind of, you know, crafting, you know, like brushing up the personality. Yeah. So it was a moment when um, I discovered like um, the history of language, uh, intercultural communication, all this like linguistics. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, caught me. Because what was happening that just before the uni, uh, like when I was coming back crying yeah, after the tutor of English and then traveling as well, uh, like uh, there was this major European trip, I, I was already visited by these thoughts of changing something in, let's say, approach in learning languages and cultures. And uh, that winter of like 2000, seven, eight, nine, some, somewhere there, like 10 years ago, basically. Um, it's like, it just, you know, started coming to me this inspiration, so I wanted my school, but mm -hmm. I really like, wasn't sure what I wanted. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I knew that it would be completely something different. There were, or there would be like lots of people, lots of different tutors, and we would be talking not just about uh, language itself, but about history, culture, cuisine, uh, crafts, um, anything, you know, related, like geography, whatever. And uh, then getting again like to this situation of 
all these types of disciplines in languages yeah. and they're all like horribly taught in this you know old style way and then get into communication anthropology like wow that's actually what i want to dig into mm -hmm. and uh, so, so, yeah. so how, how many qualifications did you end up with? <laughs> yes it's a very good start you <laughs> see yeah it's a good um so there and that university i had like theory and methodology of teaching languages and cultures mm -hmm. that was first it's basically it's linguistics and education like the, uh, practical you know teaching like teaching practice so this and then later on it was in Poland and it was a uh, financial business academy and there it was like language as a tool in this um, business uh, like communication. It was quite interesting as well because I finally wasn't scared away by economics because economics when we were like, oh, yeah, so good. Uh, so this and then later on uh, this master, Rasmus Mundus uh, master, mm -hmm. who doesn't know it's uh, financed by European Commission and uh, if you enroll into program you accept it you get scholarship and you get like three four even five uh different universities and all the diplomas yeah with different qualifications so it's mm -hmm. like yeah joint program and from there yeah i got these four uh qualifications and they're all different again mm -hmm. so it's all related to linguistics communication like comparative linguistics comparative literature uh cross um well uh, socio-cultural anthropology and intercultural communication cultural analysis maybe i forgot something else <laughs> yeah but it's more, more or less like this yeah yeah okay so it's it's a lot yeah it's really a lot to take yeah yeah, yeah. And, and i mean how do you think you've changed um the more kind of qualifications you've amassed oh god <laughs> um the point is what i as well i was trying to analyze all this so when you're a super versatile person and lots of people are like this right they mm -hmm. have lots of interests lots of hobbies and they just don't know um what to focus on right um one it's it's a challenge but it's also an advantage because from one discipline one hobby one subject you already have this fundamental knowledge and when you get to another one you bring it together with you and you can look at it from a different angle yeah, yeah and mm -hmm. in depth and that's amazing and then you get more and more and you can look at it already from your yeah, different perspectives the same as actually with languages we'll come to this yeah <laughs> and then when you get all these different types because after all it's all about communication it's either us talking, let's say it's like social, right? So sociology, mm -hmm. or we're talking more about anthropology, like um, science about the human mm -hmm. and our brain. Then like, yeah, so it's like all connected in, uh, like inside and out, yeah? And uh, then you're kind of, yeah, you're trying to tailor all these, well, skills, right? And then you can mix them, match. And if you master this type of skill of mixing and matching, mm -hmm. you can get something at the end, which is very complex and also very simple, and can be this Swiss knife. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's very cool. Very mm -hmm. cool. <laughs> so how was uh, Amolingua conceived? We spoke about this before, yeah. but what does the name actually represent? God. Uh, all right. So, amo lingua. Well done in pronouncing. <laughs> amo lingua. Amo. I love lingua. Ling, yeah. So language. Latin. Uh, oh God. 
where to start? So yeah, basically it started when I was started dreaming yeah, about the school that was first. Uh, then later on, yeah, all this like uh, discovery of this secondary linguistic personality theory. Uh, and I took it as one of my main topics for the dissertation and through all my academic years I was always about it. Then it was as well Pierre Bourdieu. Bourdieu is a French sociologist and he's talking about habitus, like gabitus. It's uh, the power of our habits and the way how we formed like in our environment. Like mm -hmm. children, yeah, and then later on when we go from kindergarten to school, university, and even like at work, yeah, our environment actually forms us, we know mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just put it all together, like, you know, the social classes, and then languages, cultures, and then mixing it up and seeing what's, what's actually happening there. So at the time of finalizing my master, which was like three years ago, uh, <laughs> yeah, like, oh my God, yeah, so, Literally, I had a few projects. Uh, so all that time I was teaching, like, yeah, it's almost what, 10 years now, yeah. Uh, then I had a blog, Europe Online, uh, where my friends and I were writing about our adventures. Uh, in, Europe, uh, in Europe also, different like scholarships, tips, all these type of things. And mm -hmm. it was quite, well, successful, let's say, because 20,000 people actually visited website from us, yeah. which wasn't bad. Was that, because I read something that was saying it was a top 20 rated by like CNN? It's actually a Molingua, it's, it's, it's actually a Molingua Europe Online, yes. Okay. Yeah, this yeah. is like interesting because <laughs> I'll explain uh, what happened. So the blog was yeah on top there. And then there was as well e supervisor that still actually, still exists, but it's a bit, you know, dormant. We, we are going to develop it a bit further because it's more like, it's Oxford based and it's consultancy for like students who want to enhance their academic career and, and they are not satisfied with their supervisors, which mm. quite often, you know, it happens. Yeah. Anyways, um, so it was, yeah, so it was three years ago and in St. Andrews I met Bonnie. Bonnie was my mentor and she's still my mentor, Bonnie Hacking. And uh, literally um, in February we had some first like competition of ideas. I had no idea at the time, you know, what was going on about Santander, all this type of, you know, prices. So anyways, I entered and then she was like, Kate, you have too many projects. You need to focus, you need to concentrate. And then uh, what she did, so at that time, three years ago, I was about to go to New York uh, to actually present already my dissertation there at NYU. It was like an honor, amazing. And I had a choice. I could fly on 19th or 20th because I was presenting, I think, on 22nd, something like this. And she was like, Kate, you know what? I know that there is one big event you must attend. Uh, like, change your tickets, do whatever, because that's what will help you actually to navigate later on. Like, okay, what it is? And it was this um, SIE summit for students, yeah, mm -hmm. student entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea what was SAE, what was anything, you know, just nothing. I mean, it was like time when I just moved, you know, to my final destination, university, right? <laughs> I was like there for a few weeks after as well, like um, uh, being somewhere between India and Italy and France. And like, okay, fine, I'm in my final semester. I need to figure out what's happening. And yeah, so she was kind of persuading me and I already had tickets and I managed to chain them. And it came and it was tremendous because it's where I met Gavin Oates uh, and uh, he's amazing and I yeah. like, I'm so honored just, you know, being like communicating with him and like learning from him as well, lots of amazing things. Yeah. Uh, it was as well like Gareth Williams. 
Skyscanner. And yeah. that time, um, I already knew about Skyscanner, and I even remember how, like, a few days before the event, I was talking to some of my students, and uh, they were like working in traveling industry. And I'm like, yes, I'm like going to some, you know, some summit, some event. They're like, yeah, who's going, you know, to speak? And I'm like, yeah, like Sky's kind of, oh, so, you know, this type of thing is international. And then there was this hot, hot, red hot chili pipe, 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 pipers, right? Okay, yes, yeah. But I read it as red, red hot chili peppers. Oh, dear. <laughs> so I was like, why is it going to be there? So it was like, it was hilarious. So anyways, there were all these, you know, people. And uh, uh, it's just tremendous because with so many of them, like maybe, you know, a handful, but still, you know, here, we're still in touch and we're communicating and we've done lots of, you know, amazing things. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, shows that this type of events, especially, you know, in cities like Edinburgh, brings people together like-minded people and they get connected especially if they're like newbies yeah so that's amazing that's like you know amazing network so that's another thing so and from there yeah i kind of you know started going on and on um so what happened that um europe online eventually uh block turned into kind of repositioned itself as more like a school but it happened already in 2015 after I was in London and then I was in China. Because in 2014 summertime, that, that was the time when I got introduced to memory sport, again by chance, mm. and it was, well, or oh, some of the guys at like networking event uh, introducing me to Ed Cook, and Ed Cook is a founder of Memrise. And Memrise, yeah, we know it's also an app, yeah, to learn different, different things. And uh, I had no idea. I really had no idea. And when we met eventually at his office and uh, I checked his description, great master of memory, I was, what is that? Hmm. <laughs> it's a Harry Potter thing. Anyways, and that was how then I got introduced to one of the organizers of like UK Open Memory Championship. And um, then I, was, I, I went there, I met these people, these amazing people who are not so nerds, they're also like businessmen, entrepreneurs, like amazing people. And I was like, oh my God, this is my crowd. This is like all the brainy ones. <laughs> yeah, because uh, you know, it's again, it's very difficult when you're um, at some point when you understand that uh, you're kind of, you know, the most experienced or the smartest in the room. And it gives so much pressure on you as well, because you're like, okay, I need more like people or from whom I can learn, like mm -hmm. not just, you know, watching them, but actually talking to them, being connected to them. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you're coming as well there. They're all the smart people and they started as well teaching me all this, you know, tricks, techniques. And this was hilarious. And uh, I, I even didn't, you know, I wasn't the last one, so it was good, you know, like competition. So again, mm -hmm. and then I got invited to China and for the World Memory Championship. And there, lots of very strange things happened. And when I got back from there, that was uh, the moment when I said, okay, uh, let's get a trial, Europe Online, the school. And this was a trial. It wasn't actually the start of the startup. Okay. And with this trial, we got into this top 20 of the world. And I was like, yeah. we are not, not there yet, but okay, cool, yeah. That was how, how it actually started, more or less. Jeez, okay. <laughs> wow. And so so how does it actually like work? What are the mechanics of it? 
Oh God. <laughs> um, this was always very challenging because for me it was always so obvious how, how you don't understand it. Mm. Well, um, let's imagine uh, you would like to learn Spanish because you want, let's say, you want to trade with Latin America, for example. Yeah, you want to expand. So for us, you're like a driver of Formula One. So you are, it's all about you, your story, your goals, your interests. Mm -hmm. Then my team, we are now almost 100 tutors, getting more. Um, so we get a few people, Spanish-speaking people, can be natives, can be not, both, high level. Um, and we form this team according to your interests, yeah, your schedule, just checking on all this, yeah, dots, yeah. And we have like four or five people working with you. You have a few lessons per week, mm -hmm. say two or three. And then every day you also have communication via messengers. You also get tasks. And there we also have an option um, either to write this task or, or make a video with our custom video app. So it also you know, shows the progress. Uh, then obviously we're working on memory training, mm -hmm. <laughs> definitely, like to memorize more words and grammar. And then apart from this, it's also cultural awareness explaining you uh, why in certain countries, let's say Latin America, yeah, you should act in a different way in negotiations, yeah? And then public speaking. Mm -hmm. And public speaking, it can be, again, either just presenting keynote, yeah? Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, let's say to a few people, or it can be like a proper TED style presentation. And it's all in Spanish. And it's all, you know, starts in like little by little, you have the three months and you go from zero and you get to B1. B1, it's like tourist level. So through this level, we actually built in your confidence and your speaking, getting you more information about culture, memory, building, building up. And then later, if you want you to go through and get to this B2, B2, it's like um, level when you actually can study at university or work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So at this level, we're working with you mostly, as I say, like this presenting skills, or let's say, you know, deeper cultural understanding. And, and how are you assessing the individual's um, progress? Yes. So one of them is a video app. Another one, it's constant feedback with uh -huh. tutors because yeah. uh, you make mistakes and you're fine with making mistakes. The point is that, let's say, the topics that we've covered with you, you know, say some time ago, yeah, recently. So you picking up and mm -hmm. with vocabulary, like now as well with memory training, yeah, shaping, we try to calculate, yeah, what is the amount of words, yeah, or phrases you've actually covered, you've learned. Mm -hmm. So, so far on average it's like 3000. However, I'm ambitious now even to get, you know, to another number, maybe, you know, 5000 more yeah. because, um, we are now trying to work, uh, let's say, on separate sessions, like new sessions of memory, um, when a person can just, you know, sit and, well, memorize, you know, 100 words and more, but all in the context of the course, not just, you know, separately. Because yeah. it, it's, it's possible even more. I mean, what, like... What do you think something like this means for the future of education and traditional schooling? Oh, that's amazing. I mean, that's like so powerful. Um, well, look, um, for example, like even like in my case, right? So 15 minutes, like give me 15 minutes, I will memorize, well, 100 words, 115 words. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's just, let's say it's words. If we're talking about all this text materials, history, right? Mm -hmm. It will turn them uh, into, well, into these creative machines that can memorize like children yeah, as much as possible. 
Yeah, and the same again with languages, because yeah, it's communication. And if you look at it from the side of not just a tool, yeah, but also worldview, it will boost their creativity, it will help them to find non-standard solutions and it will definitely benefit our society mm -hmm. because yeah we will start developing let's say you know our economy or whatever it is yeah in completely new direction but so yeah. do you think you'll work with educational institutions or do you think you'll disrupt them that's a very good question uh i i would put it this way <laughs> A few years ago, I thought that I was going to conquer the world. <laughs> uh, you like, still might. <laughs> I feel like that I've done already. I, I mean, I don't know how to explain it to you, but I, that's, that's the feeling that I've been like, yes, I'm going to conquer. Now, now I feel like I've conquered. I've actually, I'd like to impact the world, but impact in a very, you know, this gentle way that uh, then it would, you know, get its own shape. But, you know, on its own. So I'll just, you know, I'll just give this impulse. Yeah, no, that's fine. Like yeah, so that's how I feel now. And I really believe that our common effort, uh, like people from memory sport, people again from linguistics like polyglots and all the enthusiasts who actually provide some high quality service in language learning or again, like presenting or yeah, like memorizing learning. Uh, all this common effort will get this critical mass eventually and we will be able yet to shift the paradigm because yeah that's what's happening now because like my friends from Sweden like memories for like champions they are like talking to uh, this like panel of Nobel Prize you know like trying to get there some shift but Sweden's just one you know small country right mm -hmm. we're here now as well we're looking you know at what's happening in schools what's happening at universities uh, again because yeah lots of companies now yeah we know actually working in education so how we can make change there again Europe yeah. yeah, Asia, I, 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 I've already connected there I, when I was in China, so I gave some workshops, trainings, and I saw what was going on there. And this is just horrific because they have like 40, 40 children per class, maybe even 50, because mm. it's all overcrowded, overpopulated. Yeah. And how I go in to teach a person something mm -hmm. in this constant R, that's a completely, you know, different system. Yeah. So it's like one of the things, but definitely everything is going online now. We know it. Yes. So the question is how in years we're all going to adapt to it, how new generation of kids here are going to adapt and how actually older generation is going to adapt to learn. Because um, a few years ago, so it's like 2014, 15, 16, I've uh, been involved into this um, Global Education Futures. It's like, uh, it's a project um, that is created by minds from Silicon Valley and then Skolkova, it's like Russian based, yeah, Silicon Valley. So all these two, you know, powers, forces, mm -hmm. united with CEOs of different companies as well like Samsung and this type of top mm -hmm. people and academics and influencers and we were literally foresighting yeah brainstorming on the future of education on all the tendencies this is very fascinating because uh, eventually the conclusion was that in years uh, we will get rid of exams or let's say in the educational system as it is right now and we will come to let's say intermediary uh, exams so like uh, 
kind of you know passes yeah that would uh, identify our levels so identify our level of proficiency of a language or let's say level of particular technical skill and you will have you know to run this test you know maybe every three or five years because yeah you can go upper or you can go down mm -hmm. so it's like all quite you know flexible and then you would be able say to um, acquire a few different professions again during your lifetime mm -hmm. and i've heard this theory like it's just you know something like philosophical that why to live like one life when actually you can live like let's say four or five different lives because yeah you have these different hobbies yeah different ideas so why not to do it yeah so it it, it, it can actually mm -hmm. become true that mm -hmm. people would be like first years of their life and you know, 25 years they would be you know, into gaming you know IT gaming then like later there would be something more with nature like biology and then later on and on and yeah. they would bring all the skills from the past to a new profession yeah uh, mm -hmm. huh. that's, that's really cool actually but we will see, and uh, we were like talking as well a lot about uh, yeah, so how online yeah, influences us, and then how important uh, the role of coach is becoming. Mm -hmm. So we have the teacher, but yeah, we have like the teacher, the tutors, the different names, yeah, all of them. But then eventually, if we take the tutor and we turn him or her into a coach, mm -hmm. it's a completely different perspective. Mental coach. So coach, it's a person more who is kind of empowering you, helping you to find uh, questions without answering your questions, right? Kind of uh, like guiding you. Yeah. And the same, like I started applying in Amalingua, so we are trying to coach, yeah, people. And uh, it, it's coming again to our psychology, motivation, yeah, all this like deeper, let's say, feelings. And I believe that even that we're going into online, this will be one of the things, emergent things, important ones, because we all need some kind of, you know, maybe like legacy values established mm -hmm. and we need to stick to them. Yeah. Mm. This uh, one of the thoughts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how important do you think it is for people to know more than one or multiple languages? It's extremely important. I mean, like every day is something happening. Um, well, uh, there are different, you know, different perspectives and that how we can look at it. So, first of all, that language, what it is, it's a tool of communication. So, while we are speaking, we are talking as well with hands, yeah, especially Italians, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, the way how we perceive information, the way how we send information, how we perceive information, uh, a lot determined by the way we behave and our language. If we think about the theory of Vygotsky, Vygotsky is one, one of the scientists, uh, anthropology mostly, yeah, talking about the worldview, he was saying that our worldview is formed by the language, yeah, and the language is forming the worldview. And this famous Sapir and Worf, especially, uh, like scientists, especially after the movie Arrival, yeah, this arrival, yeah, <laughs> a female linguist, yeah. Um, so they were talking the same, that actually it's all interconnected. So let's say environment is influencing us. So, and if in this environment we're speaking particular language and we're acquiring particular habits, customs of this language and this culture, that the culture is literally, say, mirrored in our language, 
we start behaving in this way and we start thinking in this particular pattern yeah of this language and in this culture and imagine that yeah that we meet somebody from the east or whichever your country um, and they have their own environment their own background and their own language and their background and language like uh, is mirrored in their language they think in a bit different way with different values and here a bit of miscommunication start happening Mm-hmm. And that's fine. I mean, at the beginning, that's okay. Then you adjust. Mm-hmm. But if we go more into negotiations, if we are talking about, let's say, this uh, teamwork, yeah, with all this intercultural communication, again, personal relationship, that's wh- where all these underwater stones appear. Then people start noticing that it's not just about language or, let's say, limited capacity of expressing your emotions in a foreign language, but it's actually a different worldview, there are different values. Mm-hmm. And I'm not touching now on religion. It's, it's part of this, but I'm still talking about more like socio-cultural you know, aspects. Mm-hmm. So that's like more you know, communication, right? Then if we're talking about brain, oh God, there are more and more and more, uh, well, paper scientific you know, reports uh, just you know, uh, proving that if you're bilingual or if you speak two or three languages, uh, your neuroplasticity uh, is much yeah, active. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I believe into this. I know, like here at the University of Edinburgh, there are amazing you know projects like Baby Lab, and then uh, um, one of the professors working with like medical linguistics, medical as well psychology, working on dementia that eventually it slows, let's say, learning language slows dementia, like that dementia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. So we have with you like different benefits, starting from this amazing creativity, yeah, like both language learning, uh, memory training, so it's all creativity. And then we have with you com- communication and psychology. So eventually when a person gets, let's say, two or three languages in store, and not just a tool as language, but also understanding of culture, understanding how a person from another side of the table there thinking, you get different colors. As I was even like saying in my TED uh, talk, uh, that when you acquire another language, you may see even, you know, the eighth uh, color in the rainbow. Because even even in some languages, you know, if you look at colors, if you look at some natural let's say, phenomenon, uh, even like everyday life, you may notice uh, that they have particular phrases or words that mm-hmm. don't exist in your language, mm-hmm. and this reflects their everyday life, their as well their customs. Yeah, and that's mm. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things that I've come across in the sort of research, if you like, um, is secondary linguistic personality or language alter ego what what is that (laughs) you're now talking to my (laughs) language alter ego yeah because it's kate and it's kate and kate can be you know kate coming from somewhere from oxford or england (gasps) okay coming from edinburgh yeah yeah so yeah (laughs) uh so it's quite exciting um it's it's all yeah as i say like started here at the first university and uh it was about this formation of the worldview, the shape of the worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, so quite often, if we learn a language when we're already, let's say, 25, 30 and so on, and we learn it just for business, we take all our values, all our habits, behavior from our first language, 
to the foreign language. So, and then when you start noticing that a person is actually speaking quite well, quite fluently, but something is wrong. You, 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 somewhere you don't get the person right, something, you know, something is missing, maybe in a body language, maybe intonation. Yeah, mm -hmm. quite often, yeah, it happens with intonation. Um, maybe even like, yeah, in communication, person just is not aware of some social media stuff or like media, whatever it is. So, um, secondary linguistic personality or language alter ego is literally part of your personality in a foreign language that is in sync with the local culture, with a local worldview. Um, that's why we encourage uh, students while they're learning a language also to go through history, then uh, politics, economic situation, whatever is happening, so they would be up to date and they mm -hmm. would start grasping the situation because this all yeah, is influencing people yeah, and they actually their worldview, their everyday life and then this um, help them to connect. So that's what's happening, okay. so yeah. <laughs> so because you know so many languages, um, what language do you think, what's your, your dominant thinking language and what, what language do you dream in? <laughs> doesn't happen. <laughs> no? It doesn't happen. Uh, it's, it's very interesting. Um, like it's psychology, I think. Like uh, I'm used to speaking to you in English. Mm -hmm. I would speak in English. I have people uh, whom I'm used to speaking in Spanish or in French. You know, I would I would actually stick to speaking to them in this particular language. So if let's say I'm talking to you, some of them just you know say like Kate or Catherine or you know whatever, I would reply in their language, and it's just it's automatic and you can't control it. <laughs> It's very interesting. Yeah. And uh, another thing that quite um, when I'm traveling and when I, let's say, move to another country and stay there for some time, I start feeling that some language, you know, starts dominating. Like, for example, here, yeah, English is dominating. But because of all my work with this versatile team and students, um, I speak like four, five, sometimes yeah, six languages per day. And that's fine for me. It's routine. Uh, but again, I try not to let one language dominate all the time. Yeah, that's why like uh, also like France as well, like speaking different languages, and we could switch and we can just switch, you know, during conversation. And yeah. that's fine. Yeah, it's really cool. I yeah, love it because yeah. you just, you know, you just switch and you don't notice and you just keep carrying on. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's fine. Yeah. It's again, it's like it's a tool. Yeah. And uh, uh, dreaming. Like, for example, now with Arabic, yes, I started Arabic. It's like another, let's say, challenge. Uh, I still, I, I'm still dreaming in it. But for me, um, I think uh, this victory is that I started actually reading it, like, and, like writing. And this all, like, as well, like our little project inside of Familingua. Yeah, so we're preparing another, like, in-depth course for this type of languages. We have them already, but I wanted something else, even, you know, more unique. And... Uh, you know, I look at it and it used to be for me just like beautiful painting kind of drawing and now it starts getting, you know, its shape and then sometimes meaning and like, wow. Mm. So it's, you know, different level again, how mm -hmm. you look at the world. Yeah. That's, it's, that's, it's really fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really, really is. But I don't know, like as well, like with music, I, I know you, you don't have it here yet. I started playing. I always want it as well, it's another thing, right? And music, it's another language. I, I didn't know. 
I really, I, I mean, I couldn't read. I was like illiterate in music. Mm -hmm. And now I started reading music. Mm -hmm. And we were just discussing with a guy, yeah, so we are like uh, playing, um, that actually music and languages, yeah, it's very connected in phonetics, right? If like Chinese, it's always tones. But also when you play, like those uh, who write from left to right, it's much easier for them to play this side. But those who write from right to left, mm -hmm. it's easier for this side. <laughs> and we were experimenting. So yes, I was picking up Arabic and piano at the same time. So I was doing here, and then I started reading, uh, writing more here. And it was much easier to play this side, like from right to left. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it's all interconnected. Yeah. So eventually you're like, okay, so the way you write even, yeah, not just like speak, but the way you write and the way you structure grammar mm -hmm. in your sentences influences the way you structure your thoughts and then how you make decisions. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's it's been fascinating to hear about your you know your journey and um, the amazing work that you're doing, and I feel as though I've you know got more intelligent just by having this conversation. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but um, it would be great at this stage, I think, to to delve a little deeper um, and and you know address some of the sort of larger, more philosophical kind of questions. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, the, the show ultimately, as I say, is about um, encouraging people to reconnect with their purpose mm -hmm. or um, you know what is their passion and, and kind of go after that what do you think your purpose is <laughs> <laughs> god um it's very interesting um because i was thinking you know about all this positivity and energy so talking about a lingua now it's empower people to learn and like to learn pretty much anything yeah we're talking about your communication the skills um but I believe that eventually it's like uh, empowering them to learn about themselves and their strong sides. And uh, my side, like my purpose, I think after all these horrible experiences with coaches, you know, tutors, all this journey, especially in childhood, I think that eventually I kind of, you know, created this self-made coach in myself that just encourages any student or a, any actually person who starts something new like some new beginning mm -hmm. um do it just you know just go and do it uh but not just oh yeah bluntly do it you know don't think about it. but yeah go through particular let's say phases yeah prepare and don't do it and that's why i think um in amalingua again we're trying to build our own you know culture inside of the company yeah talking about how we are treating students how we're working with them and i, I even can't say clients because like for me clients is like something to business so it's like always like students <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I, I actually really hate that term yeah client, client <laughs> a customer yeah, yeah. no <laughs> students it, it doesn't matter you know how like it was a person is older than i am or whatever like i always you know true who is respect the point the point is that it's student <laughs> and it's not university student just students so um and the point is that yeah um we always encourage we always empower so after let's say a lesson or a session a uh, student should go in this positive you know type of mood you know not like walking on the clouds but just feeling better like after a very good you know meeting with a friend or good negotiations or you know anything that actually brings this positivity mm -hmm. and um, i think that's you know one of the very important things in communication as well because mm -hmm. we have so much power so much energy 
and I think it's very easy for us actually to influence somebody. Yeah. Even that, you know, we're kind of saying no, we won't go give the keys of, you know, our emotions, our heart to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Still it happens, I mean, interrogation. And we're all kind of interdependent. And I understand that maybe like years ago, again, like three years ago, maybe like two years ago, when there was lots of pressure, I kind of, uh, in public, I would be like super, you know, positive and it would be authentic. I would be just, you know, getting this energy and giving it back, just, you know, just empowering. But then with uh, close ones, with people, you know, like with whom, like you have like personal connections, yeah, like close circle, you would have kind of, you know, low energy and mm -hmm. then there would some negativity pop up and you would be thinking like why does it well, why is it happening you know and i understand that it's again it's how you communicate basically with with yourself and like with the world around you like not just people just you know in general mm -hmm. and uh, i think like purpose when you reconnect with your purpose and all your values and eventually asking yourself why mm -hmm. are you here why are you talking to all these people why are you waking up in the morning that's when the negativity actually goes away and that's what actually kind of happened to me like all this reconnection like during the past months like in 2016 i would say so there were lots of things happening and lots of bad things let's say you know just in general negativity and like no something is going wrong something is not right and it's not right with you mm. you need to fix it yeah and that's like let's say months and months of kind of you know journey and traveling you know what's going on mm -hmm. so yeah so mm -hmm. we all need it we all need the purpose yeah if we don't have it well why are we waking up in the morning <laughs> yeah. yeah i agree mm -hmm. definitely yeah. good answer good answer <laughs> <laughs> what would you like your legacy to be oh god you know, I think uh, <laughs> eventually when I die, <laughs> people would say what was my legacy. Um, it's still it's tough to say now, right? Because, you know, I'm so vers versatile. I think I will, yeah, will concentrate on uh, education. Yeah, like languages, yeah, cultures, and uh, just enhancing the level of education and different types of, well, different types of maybe educational tools and services and uh, just making this educational process more positive, more entertaining, lovable. So eventually it would be like edutainment, but not just game, right? And uh, probably this would be the part of my, you know, part of the legacy. Let's say something like international, intercultural, um, impactful, Something like this. It's tough to say now. Mm -hmm. I just understand that um, if 10 years ago I had this phrase about me, like, uh, again, I made it up, that I would be a girl who could turn her dreams of yesterday into the like, routine of today, which was really nice. And I, I mean, like, I believed it uh, until now and I would just do it all on myself. Now I feel like that... I would rather, you know, I would focus on something, I would plan it, but still I'll let more surprises happen, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let life happen. So that's mm -hmm. why I'm saying that. Uh, I've got some focus, I've got some plan, yeah, impact. But then how life actually, you know, responds and turns it around, I'm fine with that. Uh, I'm not going to force it. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to conquer the mountain, <laughs> I'm going 
between the mountains. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a new approach for me. <laughs> yeah. 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 How do you define success? Oh God, success. What is success? Yeah, we are all successful people. What is this? Um, you know, it's. I think it's fulfillment eventually eh, because we all get into this game of catching these rabbits, yeah? Mm -hmm. And I was there like lots of times. Uh, <laughs> it's like vicious circle. You're there, you're not enough, yeah? You want like, you want these people love you. You're, like you feel that you're not enough for somebody, for so, like, you know, for something, like for business, for anything. And uh, it's just horrible and like, uh, it's even like not happiness, yeah? Because you, you can be happy like, you know, now and then tomorrow you're not, <laughs> or like, next hour but success it's yeah it's something about uh being connected to yourself connected to yourself being uh fulfilled and thinking yeah i've actually done something i feel good about it and even if something went wrong not regret about it in terms of like oh i could have done that or something or something like you know being anxious and nervous just accepting yourself mm -hmm. that's a brilliant answer very very good <laughs> who or what inspires you oh, you know it's very interesting like um when we were talking about like uh, inspiring people are uh, in terms of like business or something like this it's tough to answer because if we look into the picture there like majority of all these like businessmen leaders they're men right and uh, I'm a woman and I actually want to project this female energy, being a woman and being a woman entrepreneur, not <laughs> like, I'm a woman, oh my God. No, not at all, <laughs> you know, because yeah. I also notice that lots of women, unfortunately, going into this, you know, business like male dominated, they are becoming more and more kind of, you know, male Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. And this is terrifying. And again, it was like 2015, maybe, yeah, when we got into top 100 with Europe online. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in yeah. The UK. <laughs> I just remember I had to go from Edinburgh to London, and actually, I hurt my back. Like, I, I was talking to my friend, and I fell from office chair. It was horrible. Oh yeah, but uh, so <laughs> I was pitching, and I was pitching, and I was like in jeans and some style of, you know, kind of t shirt. So, kind of, you know, this skater boy. And I'm just like now looking at these pictures, I'm like, oh my God. Because I was all into this, like, yes, you're going to do it. You're going to smash it. Yeah, you're in top 100, but you look like shit, but it's fine. <laughs> so that's, that's the point. Not anymore. And uh, I, I understand that um, there should be more like role figures as well, like female, you know, models um, in business. And uh, now I, I really like, I even can't identify you know a woman who would be like yeah this is the lady i would like you know to be and uh, even this elizabeth holmes yeah with serranos um I, we don't know what's happening there and i remember how again 2015 i think i liked all this like black style you know just you know trying to be kind of you know same way like science you know reading as well something about her but no i don't want to be like somebody let's say but uh Inspiration actually comes from within, I think, mm -hmm. eventually. Because now, what is inspiration? Inspiration is energy. It's like somebody or something that gives you energy. Literally, literally it's like this. Like in, like, uh, in poetry, for me, inspiration was always very sudden. It would just come and go. 
like you know muse would come and go i i i still can wake up at 2 or 3 a.m just like <sighs> sweating give me pen and give me paper because <laughs> it's already in my head it don't on me any language whatever i'm just writing it until i finish i won't be able to sleep this is what happens yeah so this is one side of inspiration another inspiration type uh when you look at something you're beautiful right or when you listen something uh listen to something that actually resonates with you right and it can be anything it can be science it can be history it can be uh some inspiration yeah like a story yeah like we all love stories about people we love people's stories so you connect with this it can be something like that people i think um all now like people my friends like close circle uh with whom you know working um all these people actually inspire me and it's very interesting because um you know again years maybe it's an age time it would be you know somebody somebody famous yeah this is this is who is inspiring me now it's more about yeah with whom you connect with whom you you feel that actually your mindset is like clicking mm-hmm. and you even you know you may even not say a word with a person just you know just sit in and you will be fine and you just feel like you feel good just feeling good so i believe that we need more of it in our hectic life just mm-hmm. you know being able you know to write to paint you know dance you know playing just getting out all this creativity yeah. and staying with people with whom we feel so comfortable so home and boost of energy and just then go stay on your own meditate kind of process all of it and then yeah create something new something new and more beautiful <laughs> what are some of your your kind of positive habits or like sort of success habits i mean you mentioned meditate is that something that you do yeah i mean um meditation is one thing but meditation it's like growing slowly yeah because it used to be like one minute oh, i can't sit anymore um well one of the things is a lot about diet like food mm-hmm. um intensive routine uh um, we met with david david uh david is in london client so here he is a coach you know like fitness yeah style and i before that as well was quite negative towards all these gyms because i was like okay if i'm going for sport i'm going for particular sports so i used to like practice capoeira fencing different different stuff mm. i was like yeah i'm 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 getting back to capoeira and then no gym and a huge surprise for me was that he wasn't just he's not just in like a gym coach he is actually like a nutrition guy all this type of things like you know all like 3D. Mm. And this was brilliant because he helped me to actually get accountability on what I was eating, how I was eating it, uh which day, you know, with whom, and uh, later on little by little switch my diet mm-hmm. into something healthier. This was brilliant and it was lots of trust as well put on it because yeah, you're sharing absolutely everything, whatever bad habits you have. Like yeah, I remember like I was under pressure. I would eat, you know, chocolate, like above chocolate, I don't know, Benadryl, whatever, you know, a lot. And after working with him maybe for 4 months, like all the gradually changing it, I'm like I felt almost nothing towards chocolate. I felt almost nothing, you know, towards this type of things. And um after that, I just uh, tried, you know, to keep, you know, this healthy diet. It's literally yeah you can eat basically everything but 
you need more meat, fish. Yeah, so, so you need this energy. Mm-hmm. And it's really good now that you just go shopping, grocery shopping, you just collect all of this, all like type of yeah, proteins, all this, and just, yeah, go home and you cook and you get home cooked food, mm-hmm. which is, I think, amazing. Because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, restaurants, all this, yeah, it's cool when you have some events, you know, gatherings, but eventually if you want to eat healthy and you want to keep um, your energy high, mm-hmm. so you need, to, yeah, you need to cook. It's one of the things. Another thing, um, writing, uh, writing like everything diary, definitely. Um, I I used to write a lot diaries. Then I stopped. Then I started again because I realized that it just helps to empty your head, especially before going to sleep. And if let's say you're super anxious, yeah, like lots of emotions, you just write it down. Absolutely everything, whatever is there. And so is it kind of journaling then or is it? Yeah, it yeah. can be like journal, diary, yeah, whatever it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just put down absolutely everything. And it's also interesting here because I write as well in different languages. <laughs> and it depends on what I feel, uh, like maybe about somebody, you know, maybe some, there was some conversation, you know, some particular subject. And this like determines my language <laughs> that I write. And yeah, I mean, this is a very good thing, like journal. But journal, yeah, some people, yeah, write, some people don't. Mm-hmm. I believe that we all should because, uh, I mean, in years you will be able to reflect on who you were. Mm-hmm. That what happened to me, like, um, you know, quite recently, yes, I moved, so I got all the books, uh, like everything, you know, what I had linked to the same flat. And I got that as well, like journals, diaries. And I'm like looking at it, what was like three years ago, five years ago, like, mm. oh, wow. It's like completely, you know, different person. Mm-hmm. So it's fascinating. Uh, and then, well, definitely if you're learning something, or like in my case, always, yeah, languages, something, um, you just need to kind of be disciplined on this, what I mean. You need to find this one hour of time per day. It can be even divided into 15, 20 minutes, that's fine. But that's a time when you just put off absolutely everything and you get focused particularly on this thing, on this task, mm. and you just do it. No excuse, nothing, you just do it. Whenever, whether it's in the morning, in the afternoon, evening, doesn't matter, do it. And then it helps, yeah, because you need consistency in learning. Mm-hmm. So whichever course it is, whatever it is, just you need you need this time for focus. So it will be more effective, more efficient, rather than two hours of like, yeah, what's next, and then social media, what's next? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. <laughs> what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Oh God. They're different ones. <laughs> They're very different ones. Um, you know, probably one of the best ones was on the eve of my TED talk, because it was in St. Andrews, uh, we had alumni debate, like debates in society, and they, uh, and it was like, before the referendum, and there were people kind of coming from different as well, like policies, debates. It's quite interesting debate, but afterwards, yeah, as usual, we would go for some drinks and just socialize, talk. And there was one of spokesmen, let's say, and uh, uh, I shared with him about all my anxiety like how I would go there to Tad. And uh, he, he had delivered a brilliant speech. Uh, however, he was just, yeah, it was just like my second or third speech. I'm like, what? How possible is it? And then he was like, look, when you go there, 
do they have handouts do they have leaflets like all the script of your presentation like no do they actually know what are you going to talk about I mean, they know the title. So why are you so anxious? Relax. Like, because uh, in my case, you know, it was like on one side, it's like memory training. You kind of, you get all these associations. You have it all. But imagine that you get so anxious that you just get blank, <laughs> you know, in your mind. Yeah. And nothing ha will help. Nothing. <laughs> and like, what to do? And you're like, just relax. It's fine. They don't know what you're going to talk about. Even if you are starting, you know, um, and then, you know, just trying, you know, to kind of find your pace or whatever. They will, they will encourage you. They will help you because they are, they are not to kind of kill you, judge you. They are there to learn from you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was one of, you know, these tips. Mm -hmm. And I remember that it, it really calmed me down. Like the next day, even if I was a bit like this, <laughs> <laughs> I was fine. Yeah. So I just went there like whatever. Yeah, I even improvised on the stage. I was like, wow, what's, what's happening? You know, you're improvising and then you had, oh no, stop, 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 because you have time. Yeah. yeah. What's your best public speaking tip? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it depends what kind of person you are. But if you feel this anxiety, uh, you need to identify for yourself. Uh, it's also good for exams or any interview. Uh, you need to identify for yourself whether it's good for you to do something very active or it's good for you just to sit and breathe. Because mm. in my case, and I'm so active and so much energy, I really need to do something. So all the things like uh, TED, then TV show, film, and whatever it is, I dance. And like, it's just crazy. It, I, I just dance, you know, like up to, you know, sweat, just, you know, just to feel in the flow. Like as soon as I feel it, and then I can just dance out to the stage. So for people like, you know, it's more like yourself, you're all the time now, you know, in public. So it would be good um, either, you know, do some push-ups or like some, you know, sit um, and then just, yeah, breathing. Yeah, that's uh, one of the things, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I tend to probably be more of a, a breather myself, but that's mm -hmm. interesting. I, I don't think I've heard of that. You know, kind yeah. of exercise yeah. the, the energy out of you. Because you, ha because you have so much adrenaline, yeah. right? You're so anxious, so your body is ready to fight. And when especially, you know, you're going there, you're like this ha moment, mm -hmm. and then you can just get blank. So you need to kind of, you know, throw it away a bit. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you just need a few, a few moments, maybe even like less than a minute, just, you know, do it. And then you feel much better and then your breath, uh, breathing as well will get back to normal and you will be just there staying and just talking yeah <laughs> i understand with this question not a huge amount of time has, has lapsed <laughs> <laughs> but um if you had the opportunity to speak to the 20 year old you <laughs> what would you say, what would you say? <laughs> i mean you know if you're talking about like even like yeah i just like literally i just turned year 25 like before like that we, when we talked yeah i was like 20 24 so yeah. anyway um it's very interesting because so much has happened mm -hmm. uh it feels like you know back to 20 so where i was it's typically like you know where was i during this time because yeah. like every year i'm some, somewhere <laughs> uh during the, this time 20 years 20 years ago <laughs> five years ago five years ago um 2012 i was in poland i was in poland and i think i just got back from brussels or somewhere there something like this um yeah 
I think, you know, well, maybe, you know, trust even more my gut, because still there was always this fight between, you know, brain and heart. And it's like what you should do, what sh you should have done, you know, different types of things. And uh, I don't know, I mean, maybe even like talk less. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, and maybe, you know, maybe the thing is that just, you know, trust life and trust people because eventually um, there were, let's say, lots of situations when, you know, you could have, let's say, let it go, trusted life without being so anxious and nervous mm -hmm. and it would be okay, but you were just, ah, what's going to happen and yeah. it wasn't just good for you, for your health, yeah. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> maybe like this, yeah. <laughs> or just, you know, just to say, don't think to cross the bridge, don't think to cross the bridge, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you could change anything in the world, what would it be and why? To change? I'm already changing. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, education, yeah, I mean, we're already yeah, doing it. Um, what else could be? I, I got really impressed by... The, like there are already two books, but the first book was called Chantaram. So then the second book is like um, uh, Shadow Mountain, something like this. Yeah. So um, there is a story about India, mostly like 80s, 90s, this type of thing. And there's like personal story, and then the description of all the life, let's say in India and especially in slums. And if you look into it deeper, not just India, but let's say in general. Uh, talking again about the youth, yeah, children, then adults who are in these conditions. Again, connected to education, you start thinking, okay, we have a couple of billions yeah, people like this. Mm -hmm. What actually can we do? Like really, how can we impact? And all the sociocultural aspects kicking in because we know the stories when um, special missions would go there to the slums, for example, and build, let's say, like, yeah, uh, toilets or just, you know, some kind of infrastructure. And uh, this infrastructure then would be abandoned because they wouldn't just use it because it wasn't in their, like, custom, let's say, yeah, everyday life. And the habit. So it takes time. So I believe that somehow, either through education, through this empowerment, we need to create connection, yeah, with people who are currently, let's say, societies, parts of the society, who are currently, um, let's say, misfortunate, yeah, at some point, and actually give them, like Mark Zuckerberg, yeah, now is trying to give everybody internet, mm -hmm. but not just give the internet, but then give um, more educational tools, maybe, or educating tools for them to slightly change their, like, trajectory, of life, of everyday life, kind of, you know, introducing all these habits in education, in, uh, again, social environment, mm -hmm. but not like, we're giving it to you, here's Coca-Cola, yeah. uh, but doing it with time and mm -hmm. patience, and then the change will come. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the things. Yeah, this yeah. is one of the advice that I would definitely would give myself when I were 20 years old. Be more patient, yeah. Be, <laughs> Be more, more patient. patient, yeah. It's a good one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Kate, it's been a fantastic interview. 
Um, it's been brilliant to hear a lot of your thoughts. Some some fascinating stuff, I have to be honest. Um, you know, you're you're extremely smart and, and incredibly talented, and I'm sure you'll go extremely far. Um, you're already proving that. So, yeah, I wish you all the best with the work that you're doing, and uh, I look forward to watching how the next few years unfold for you. Thank you so much. It's been amazing. And I've discovered something about myself as well. <laughs> That's great, educational. No, thank you so much. And I'm welcome. looking forward to, you know, watching this interview in years time yeah, and yeah. saying, yeah, you remember. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Brilliant. Kate, thank, thank you so much. Thank Cheers. you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to Inspired Edinburgh. Please come and find us on social media and leave us a review on iTunes. Many thanks.